It's Sports by the Book. Welcome in, welcome in. Here from the South Point studio, along with Alex White, I'm Matt Nevert, rolling things along here on a Wednesday. In for Jeff Parles today, switching some days around as we get into the end of the college basketball season. Can you believe it? No. It Tuesday. is... Don't, don't go there. We just had to get over the Super Bowl and football ending. Now you're already telling me college basketball is almost over. We are on the back <laughs> nine. We are about whole, I'll say, 13 or 14 as we got to get to the to the back stretch in a, in a golf analogy. And normally Tuesday and Saturday, the, the two big days for college basketball, some real big games. But there's a lot of big games tonight here on a Wednesday, which we don't normally see. But as we get towards the end of the year, you'll start to see some more unique scheduling. And there is one game that everybody has circled on their sports betting calendar tonight. And it is a game that my partner, Alex White, is on. And of course, it comes to us from the SoCon. Take, <laughs> take it away, Alex. Well, really, yes, this is my favorite bet, my best bet of the day. I don't think many people will have it circled, but now after I give you this, you might jump on it. Western Carolina plus three and a half. They are on the road playing against Greensboro here, but we've got revenge. Greensboro won the first matchup, 85-82 in overtime. So I think these two teams are very evenly matched. I think this should be more like a pick. You're getting some value here. It looks like we're actually getting four points if you bet it here at the South Point. Um, Western Carolina, 8-5 and five straight up, and ATS on the road. They've been very consistent away from home as well as at home. Greensboro on the other side, 3-7 and seven against the spread at home. So I like the four points here with Western Carolina. And that one's starting in Greensboro right about now. So we wanted to lead off the show, not because it's the play of the day in college basketball, but because if you want to get your action in on the catamounts of Western Carolina, now is your time. Now that we got the important stuff out there of the we way, go. Uh, plenty of fun guests on the show. We've got a couple of guests today. Danny Burke, our man from Chicago, joins us. We're going to talk NBA and his thoughts on the second half, some individual matchups. He's got a couple of finals exactas as well. I love his confidence on some of these. We'll talk to Danny here in about 15 minutes. And then Curtis Terry, former UNLV running Rebel basketball player and current color commentator on the radio side for UNLV, joins us from Colorado Springs. UNLV on the road taking on Air Force later tonight. CT will join us with his thoughts on the Mountain West, with his thoughts on the NBA. He's brothers with Jason Terry, who's on the Utah Jazz coaching staff right now. And, of course, you'll remember him from his time in the NBA. So plenty of basketball talk coming up on today's show. And as we so typically have done with Alex and I, we're going to lead things off with the college slate before we get yep. into Danny Burke. And yeah, that one game starting at three between Western Carolina and UNC Greensboro. One game that I had circled, Alex, right away, a uh, game that starts at four o'clock here on the West Coast. Uh, it is number 16, Dayton, laying three on the road at George Mason. And this is a really interesting matchup in the A-10. Dayton is one of the more underrated teams in the country, in my opinion. Uh, it was really unfortunate. Th this year, Alex, you may remember, I, I was in Dayton with UNLV basketball. That's when right. they went on the road to play that game. I was going to engineer the game on the radio side. And then there was the tragic shooting on the campus of UNLV. So the game ended up never happening. But before the game was canceled, we did get a chance to go over to the arena. Really, really cool arena. And they've got one of the best home court advantages in the country. They're on the road tonight, laying through with a total of 134. I, I like the Flyers here for a number of reasons, one of which they just a much, much higher ranked team across the board in just about every metric. Uh, you know, to summarize, Dayton 24th in the country in Ken Palm going against George Mason, who's barely in the top 100. They're 95th. Also, Dayton and George Mason play a super, super slow tempo. Part of the reason why this totals at 134. Uh, Dayton 352nd in tempo. George Mason burners compared to them at 330th in the country. Uh, did, did you have a lean either way in this game? I would definitely look at Dayton here. I agree with you. I still think they are undervalued, underrated. Um, George Mason, four and six in their last 10. So nothing great. And three of those um, at home, but the teams that they beat at home barely beat the top 100, just like you said about them themselves. So now I think they're really up in it in competition with Dayton here. Three and a half is pretty cheap. And I got a question for you. At this point in the year, with the way the schedule has been, George Mason comes into this game having not played for a week. Where do you stand, especially in your numbers, on the rest versus rust handicap? Oh, that's a great question. Um, really, I think at this point in the season, they're getting in a rhythm, and it's almost better just to keep it going, right? I think that rust actually does play a factor. Yeah, especially in a conference game like this. And like you said, you get used to playing yep. Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday. You're playing two games a week for however long, and then all of a sudden, while it is nice to get the week off, you don't get to continue that same rhythm. And it does affect, and we, we've heard coaches uh, talk a lot about, you know, we just try to keep it normal. We just try to keep the same. It's impossible. Right. Because your, your routine is thrown off. And, you know, I'm a creature of habit. I was even more so back when I was in college. 
Um, these kids are, you remember, 18 to 23 yes. years old. You got to keep ex extending that second number as the, uh, the guys stay later and later. But, you know, these are young men that are, you know, getting in their routine. And I think that's what's best for a lot of them. I know, I know it was for me, and I wasn't a college basketball player whatsoever. 100%. I cheered in college, coached college cheerleaders, and that was one of our main things is the routine and keeping them in that routine. And they appreciate it, and they do better. They thrive on that, especially a nice um, – structure and what do we always say winning mentality what is it culture yeah culture having that culture built around them and so i agree it's the routine that these athletes need i got two additional numbers for dayton as to why i like okay, the good. today you ready uh dayton six and two ats on the road this season uh they come into this one also tied for first in the a10 so a lot more to play for dayton also eighth in the country at three point percentage they're shooting just under 40 percent as a clip from a team, and they also commit the 15th fewest turnovers in the nation. So if Dayton gets a lead, I think they hold on in this A-10 showdown. So from the SoCon to the A-10, yep. climbing the ladder, let's go to the SEC, shall we? Sounds good. I think this is the game of the night, in my opinion. Uh, 679, 680 on the betting numbers. Number 24, Florida, at number 13, Alabama. The Crimson Tide, 8.5-point favorites behind us. How about a 174-point total? This one expected to be a high-flying shootout. I'll tell you what, I'm not running to the counter to bet the under. Nope. I think that that, that number is just right for these two. Bama's last home loss, November 28th. They are 13-1 and straight up, 12-2 and against the spread at home. But Florida, they've been playing really good, especially as of late. 4-1 and straight up and against the spread in their last five, shooting a whole lot better. This is going to be a great game between these two. It opened eight, eight and a half. I like that number a lot better. If you're going to lay it with Bama, we're almost getting to a point. If we get to double digits where you might want to buy back on Florida. I haven't done anything yet in this one. Have you? I have not either, especially not at that nine and a half number. Yes. That, that's moved in the last couple of hours. So definitely something to keep an eye on. If it gets to double digits, I, I would throw some, some shekels on Florida just out of principle. Uh, this matchup, though, features the number one scoring team in the country, Alabama averaging 91 points a game. That's 90s NBA-type numbers. Uh, and, feature, and against Florida, who's the number one rebounding team in the country. So it is strength on strength in the most obvious way possible. And one of the reasons why I think that Florida is actually going to keep this one close, and especially now at nine and a half, I would lean to the Gators, is that Alabama plays one of, if not the fastest paces in the country. They are one of the quickest teams in all of college basketball. Florida's not that slow either. Florida plays a very fast pace, and I don't think that Alabama will be able to overwhelm Florida as much as they have with some other opponents. Very interesting. Now, Alabama really needs to turn it on defensively, especially getting late into the season, getting ready for their conference championship and going into the tournament. That's where they really struggle, right? And we were talking about some metrics on what we've seen with past winners to win it all, and Bama is just outside of that for all those metrics, especially defensively. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about those numbers here in a moment. Just looking at Ken Palm, though, Alabama – Number one in adjusted offense, as mentioned, the highest scoring team in the country. They play at a stupid fast tempo as well. They're number 72 in adjusted defensive efficiency. So to your point, that is the big challenge for Alabama in a game against a high-powered Florida team. I think rebounding travels a lot more. People say defense travels. That's always the case. I think rebounding may travel better than defense in this case for Florida. I like it. We'll see. It should be a great game between these two. And as we both mentioned, if it keeps creeping up, it's going to be a time where you can uh, take those points with the Gators. I, I, I think about it now. I think nine, like and, a half nine and a half is a good number to, to try and get. If you can get the 10, yeah. and you may just wait. This one's starting at uh, 4 o'clock, so you've got about 52 minutes, uh, 51 minutes. My clock just turned to 3.09 here on the West Coast. But yeah, if this one gets to 10, I, I think I'm in on Florida during one of our commercial breaks for sure. I think I am as well. So shop around on that one. Another major conference game that Alex likes is uh, Clemson at Georgia Tech. That game also starting at 4. Clemson minus eight, 146 on the total. You got Clemson at a shorter number, though. I did, and I didn't give this one out earlier because of the move. So I got Clemson minus six and a half. I, I don't like it here at eight. It's, it's hard to cover these big numbers, it's, and on the road is even tougher. But Clemson, we've got home revenge here, kind of like my other game. Georgia Tech, one of those funny teams, right? They are at the bottom of the ACC with big wins over Clemson, North Carolina, and who else? I think... Uh, it wasn't Duke. I think it was um, It was You know what? It was Duke because that was Duke's first conference loss of the year. Those, yes. So bottom of the ACC and those three big wins. So I think we'll see a great performance here from Clemson. Big step up. Eight and four straight up and ATS on the road this year. And Georgia Tech covered 
just five of their 14 home games. So I like Clemson. I liked it a lot better at six and a half. I, I would just stay away, miss the best number at this point. You ready to go even further down the ACC standings? I am, yes. Notre Dame traveling to Louisville. The Cardinals <laughs> laying three. 136 is the total. This one also starting at four. Notre Dame has one true road win this season. Do they get their second tonight? I have no interest in betting this game between these two. So it's between Georgia Tech and then these two are fighting to see who is the bottom of the ACC. So this is going to be a tough game. I would lean towards the home team here. I don't like it at three. It opened about minus one and a half. So it looks like the betters like Louisville as well here. But I mean, according to Ken Palm's numbers, Notre Dame is slightly better than Louisville, but you just mentioned it. One true road game. They're only 4-10 and 10 in conference, and two of those wins were over Georgia Tech, so that doesn't give me much confidence here. But nothing for me, anything for you in this one. Uh, a lean to the home side. I, I, okay. I think Louisville, uh, Notre Dame coming in off of back-to-back -back wins. They have, uh, they're have they 4-10 of the ACC total, and as you had mentioned, those two wins against Georgia Tech amassing for half of that. I think this is a, a good sell-high moment on the Fighting Irish. I think that they are playing about as well as they have all year, and something's got to give. I think, uh, you know, not too many go into the KFC Yum Center there in Louisville and uh, and play their, their same type of game. I had to get that in there. That's the worst arena name in college <laughs> sports, by the way. It's the KFC? KFC Yum with an exclamation point okay. center. That's right. I have seen that. Just the worst. And Anything the, on the total in that one? I, I would lean over, especially behind okay. us. You can get it at 134 and a half. Um, Notre Dame plays crazy slow. They're 341st in tempo in the country. But Louisville actually plays relatively quickly, 61st in tempo, according to Ken Palm. So they play a pretty quick style overall, and I think if they can get up, they'll use that home, home advantage to, to continue to score. Um, they're 177th, or 157th, beg your pardon, in offensive efficiency on Ken Palm. So not sharpshooters by any stretch, but efficient enough against a team like Notre Dame. Like I said, I think this is a good sell-high moment on, on the fight in Irish. So I would lean Louisville and uh, make it a play to the over. We'll see. This one uh, gets going at four uh, here on the West Coast. Uh, we'll do one more before we bring in our man, Danny Burke. How about it? It is a, a really, really interesting matchup in the Mountain West tonight. We'll also talk with our later guest, Curtis Terry, about this game because I want to get a couple different opinions as number 22, Colorado State, travels to the pit in Albuquerque to take on New Mexico. You want to talk about a home court advantage. New Mexico, historically, one of the best home teams in college basketball. They won their first 11 home games of the season. However, they've dropped their last two. I think the Lobos, who are favored by seven, in the line that opened at five, I still think that they get uh -oh. a good good chance to cover that big number against the tw number 22-ranked Colorado State Rams. It looks like the Sharps are with you on mm -hmm. that one. I don't know. I think both of these teams are really good. I did notice Colorado State been playing better defense as of late, allowing an average of 59 points in their last five games. So that's something to look out for here. Maybe a... Won't be as high scoring as we're seeing on the board at 157, looking a little bit to the under. But it's funny, identical records, these two, 20 and 6, both 8 and 5 in conference. Both have kind of switched and been in that top 25 here and there. But if I had to pick, I would I would go with the home team here because they do have such an advantage there in New Mexico. So nothing, no strong play for me, but lean to the home team. We've got time. This one's starting at 7 o'clock on the West Coast, so I, I may have a play by then. I got nothing official in the account as of yet. A couple of big things for me. The Rams won the early matchup of the year, 76-68 to 68 in Fort Collins. That game was on January 2nd. And what did we talk about yesterday? When we get the get-back games yep. at the end of the season, it usually, at least historically this year, has been the inverse if it was a close game. So I like the Lobos to Absolutely. really come out. The other number as well that I thought was really interesting, New Mexico has won two of the last three games in this matchup that it played in Albuquerque. Both of those wins by 15-plus points. So if they beat the Rams at home... They typically run them out of the gym. So I, th I think if they win, they win big. Colorado State has been pretty inconsistent overall. They're coming in they off have. of a 20-point win against Utah State. So a lot of people are going to see that and go, oh, yeah, Colorado State. They're ranked, coming in off a big win. Uh, New Mexico just fell out of the rankings. I, I, I like the other way. Even with the number a little bit inflated, if you got in early on this one, you got the better of the number. I love the revenge factor there. And also, it looks like other people are thinking that same thing and notice that stat if they won the last two by 15 or more. That is crazy. So it wouldn't matter if you did get that six or the seven and a half now. The matchup to watch in that one, Jalen House for New Mexico and Isaiah Stevens for Colorado State, who just moved into first place all time in Colorado State three-point shooting history. We'll step aside. Two-minute break here on Sports by the Book. When we come back, our man Danny Burke joins us from the Midwest. We're talking basketball coming up next.
from the South Point studio. The perfect blend of sports. But I think the Niners are going to wear them down. Detroit Pistons lost their 36 games. Comedy. See over under on that relationship lasting. I'm going to put mayo in the coffee. Yeah. I am beautiful. And a whole lot of Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh. 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 Yeah. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. Join Ryan McCormick. That's at least two picks outside of our own in the first round next year. Oreo. And host Frank Nicotero. <laughs> <laughs> I look at the clock. I go, ah! Ah! Oh! Watch Punchlines live at noon every weekday. Once you've satisfied your hunger, get ready for more of the hottest casino games in Vegas. Our 24-hour, 30-table non-smoking poker room proudly hosts all the most popular poker games with a variety of betting limits. Visit the poker room for a schedule of daily tournaments. Whether you're going to hold them or fold them, the best place for poker is at South Point Casino. You'll notice that our craps tables are usually the loudest in the casino. If you've never played, join one of our free craps lessons to find out what makes this game so exciting. Check with the craps dealer for schedules and give it a roll. Bingo is also an exciting way to spend your time. We offer seven sessions of bingo every day. And each session includes a cash ball jackpot, 12 bingo games, a progressive double action game, and a $10,000 bonus coverall. Electronic units are available. If you haven't played bingo with us, give it a try today. Guests can also get in on the action at our one-of-a-kind race and sports books. Two separate rooms designed to maximize your experience and comfort. Our sports book, with over 400 seats, puts you right in the middle of the action, 24 hours a day. Welcome back in. It's Sports by the Book along with Alex White. I'm Matt Neverett coming to you from the South Point studio. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe. We're trying to drive the subscribers up. Drive for 2,000. Right. Well on the way. And we love to hear from our fans, our betters. Give us your best bets of the day as we continue on here on Sports by the Book. And continue on, we will, we will with our man Danny Burke joining us from Chicago. Danny, thank you for joining here on a Wednesday afternoon. And as, as we just got done taking a look at some of our favorite games from the college slate, we'll turn our attention to the association and take a look at some professional games. Before we get into it, we talked with Steve Jones Jr. yesterday about his thoughts on the NBA All-Star Game, the NBA All-Star Weekend. <clears throat> My opinion is the weekend itself is great. It's a phenomenal showcase for the league, for some of the top players, for some of the media that's involved. But the game itself, I'm, I love the three-point contest, love the dunk contest, everything else. The game itself needs a change. Are you in that same camp? Yeah, and you really have to be. And I'm still one who watches the All-Star game most years. I'm not giving it my full undivided attention per se, but you have some of the best athletes in the entire world all on one court. And every now and then you'll get an awesome move, an insane dunk. Damian Lillard hit a couple half-court shots, and sometimes they go back-to-back. -back. So it is a thrilling game when these guys are trying to be competitive, or at least individually they are. Collectively, seldom does that happen. It's been, what, since like the 2020 All-Star game to where they were really going back and forth. But you're right. I mean, the, the NBA All-Star weekend should be as good as baseball. Mm -hmm. Baseball, I still think, is the best. But the NBA should be right there with it because of the talent that showcase with the celebrities you bring on, uh, you know, the passing they try to do in the skills competition, and then the three-point. That one still stays competitive. Slam dunk contest is tough. LeBron, I kind of do fall into the camp of saying that he ruined it to a certain extent, but that's only half the issue. The other half is there's only a finite amount of dunks that you can do year after year Very after true. year until everything virtually is taken. So yeah. that is what it is. But something does need to change in terms of the all-star game in itself. And look, we all understand these players. You don't want them to get injured for seemingly a meaningless game. But it should mean something. It should be a celebration of the best guys throughout this association. And you just don't really get that anymore. So, again, I think this year something really changed in terms of the narrative around it and maybe they'll try to get something to at least spark it a little bit it doesn't have to be the craziest game of all time but just make it seem like they care a little bit right that's all we're asking yeah, for really. seems like adam silver is definitely going to be trying to switch that up and get something competitive mm -hmm. for the future but before we get to futures with you danny 
I'm excited. We've got games tomorrow. I know you already looked ahead. We've had numbers for a while here. There's one game you're looking at, and that is with one of the hottest teams. That's the the Cavs coming back. They are hosting the Magic. Right now, I'm seeing the Cavs as a seven-point favorite. Total, 216.5. Some places as low as 214.5 if you shop around. What are you looking at in that one? Yeah, Alex, you mentioned the total, and that's where my direction is pointing toward. And I'm debating whether or not I want to narrow it down to the first half or for the entire game for my assessment with this total. Now, I agree with the market movement. Like you said, could be as low as 214 in some shops, and that's where I would head toward, this game being lower scoring. You have a defense in Cleveland that's been outstanding this season. Cleveland, on that side of the ball, second in defensive points per 100 possessions, and then third in defensive effective field goal percentage. And you're getting them against an Orlando offense that's really been lackadaisical this season. They're 24th offensively in points per possession, 23rd in offensive effective field goal percentage. Now, when we flip that around, Cleveland still has a really strong offense. They can go in really good spurts and they thrive in transition, but Orlando can counter that nicely. This Magic defense has been fairly stout, this defense, uh, or part me this season and what's good too is when you want to look at these totals you want to correlate that with pace of play and both of these teams are at the bottom of that category in terms of pace of play if you look at Hollinger's stats on ESPN they do a good job of listing that out in Orlando ranks 24th in pace of play the Cavs are 23rd and again the reason that I'm kind of look, uh, looking at the first half or so is because after getting up off the couch after this long all-star break maybe these guys are a little bit slower to ease into it the plays a tad bit more more sloppy. I think it's going to fall into the category of them being more rusty versus rested to which would provide more offense, you would think. So again, I'm definitely looking at the under. Not sure if I'm going to narrow it down to the first half and then thinking they just figure it out in the second half and it's kind of a lower total, 216 in general. So that's why, based on wherever these first half numbers are, I may narrow it down to that, but definitely trying to get involved in the under to some capacity. Joined here on Sports by the Book by Danny Burke, at Danny Burke 5 on social media. And uh, Danny, just taking a look at this schedule on Thursday, first day back for just about everybody from the All-Star break. It looks like there was some very intentional scheduling as far as some of these matchups. And one game that certainly falls into that category is a game that you're taking a look at. Lakers at Warriors. And the Warriors, yeah. a, a four or five point favorite, depending on where you look. I think the NBA schedule maker is happy that they made this one, and it should be a competitive matchup. A lot of Lakers and a lot of Warriors involved in the festivities last weekend. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, this is a great spot to have these two teams battle it out once again. And the first time they met, it was one for the ages. I mean, double overtime. I think the Lakers ended up on top, like 145 to 144. And now we see Golden State at home the second time around, laying about four, four and a half. And look, I prefer Golden State in most settings against this Los Angeles Lakers team. But the games coming back from a longer layoff are a tad bit wonky and I think based on what we saw with this first meeting and meetings in the past in general, when these two teams meet, it has that playoff type of atmosphere. These are the type of games that LeBron James and Anthony Davis are going to get up for. So if we can bank on them being healthy, I still, and we all do, we got to update these injury reports because the uh, with the NBA, it's always hectic left and right up until tip-off. But catching four and a half seems a tad bit steep, so I'd lean toward taking the points. But where I may end up in terms of a bet for this game, guys, may revolve around the player prop, something that I delve into all the time. And again, we're going to have to wait till it populates more consistently. But Anthony Davis, speaking of which, he could have a good matchup here. He knocked down 29 points in the first go-around, and the reason that he could thrive in this setting once again is because the majority of his shot attempts coming from mid-range, 45%, and then also at the rim, 49%. The Warriors, they're dead last at in terms of defending from mid-range, or allowing the most shot attempts there, and then allowing opponents to make the most from mid-range throughout the NBA. They're also not that great at the rim either. They rank 21st defending the rim. Opponents knocking about 67% of their shot attempts there. So Anthony Davis is someone who could certainly thrive in that setting. And then if we flip it around, Steph Curry had an amazing game the first matchup. Not shocking there. I think he put up like 46 points. What was insane is that he attempted 21 three-pointers, but we know that's what they love to do, and especially against the Lakers' defense that is allowing opponents to shoot 38% of their shot attempts, which ranks 26. 38% of their shot attempts from beyond the arc, and then make 
take about 38% of them, which ranks 21st. So if the opportunities are going to present themselves to a team like Golden State, you bet they're going to look to take advantage of it. Uh, they took 58 shots from deep in that first meeting alone. I get it. They played two overtimes, but still, that's just insane to think that many shots from deep. So if you do want to look at a prop for the Warriors, it seems obvious, but sometimes obvious is the way to go. Steph Curry should probably thrive. We'll be curious to see how high his three-pointers made prop is and then his points prop in general. But remember, it should be tightly played, and these teams probably view it more as a playoff type of atmosphere. So that's why it's understandably so. If you're going to invest in a guy like Curry whose props are pretty high, this would be the matchup to do so. I love it. Two great props in one matchup. Now you have one more game that you're looking at. Utah Jazz, they've struggled a little bit before the break. One and four straight up and ATS. You're laying nine and a half with them at home to the Hornets. Total right now, 232 and a half. Yeah, and this spread is tricky to get on the side of with Utah. I mean, you, you could make the argument because of how bad Charlotte is, especially defensively, but Charlotte's been a new-look team when they've added their new pieces on. They brought out Grant Williams, Seth Curry, Terrence Mann. They're on a little three-game win streak here, but I'm not looking to get involved with this spread. I would be airing more so to the side of the total. We've seen it tick up a little bit. It is a steep one in the 230s. But these defenses on both sides are just absolutely horrible, guys. I mean, you look at Charlotte's defense. They're dead last in defensive points per 100 possessions, defensive effective field goal percentage, half-court defense, and then uh, their bottom tier defending the three-point ball as well. They're 29th. The only team worse is actually the Utah Jazz, who are dead last at defending opponents from beyond the arc. And they're also just as bad in a lot of those defensive categories. So I think this is with two teams that are more on the bottom of the barrel, Utah's still fighting a little bit but this just seems like it's going to be a sloppy effort all around in the sense to where it's going to be defense at a minimal adding to a lot of points and with the higher spread there in favor of utah we're expecting them to be able to put the ball throughout the net that's not going to be shocking it's just can charlotte do enough to keep up and because of the inability to have success on the defensive side from utah all year i believe we can get that and it's worth a look at this total going over all right, Danny, from the micro sense, we're talking tomorrow's matchups. Now to the macro sense, we're talking futures. You've got your eyes and in in your, your dollars on a couple of exactas for the NBA finals that you're taking a look at. Would you mind explaining? Yeah, so this is something that I just said yesterday, and I talked about this on my podcast a little bit if you kind of want the full breakdown, but trying to narrow it down a little bit with the explanation. When we hit the halfway point, that's what I want to really take a deep dive into the futures market. And look, that's not for everybody. A lot of people you want to look consistently all season. I completely get it. But because a lot of my handicapping was focused on football, now it's transitioned to basketball. The break offered a time to do it. And looking into the championship numbers, uh, you know, I, I do more so of teams I cross out that I don't want to bet and then narrow it down to the ones I trust instead of doing it the other way around. And a team like Milwaukee don't really have that much confidence. And I know we've joked about Doc Rivers going there on this show before, but truly, I don't think that helps them whatsoever. Phoenix is another team toward the top of the list. Don't have that much faith in them. Lack of bench depth, just like last year, I think is going to impact them negatively once again. So it's not me saying anything outlandish. I do think the three favorites are the three true contenders for the championship. But it's not that tempting to want to take Boston at what, like plus 250 to plus 280. Uh, the Clippers at about five to one. You could have had them at so many better prices throughout this season. And then also you have the Denver Nuggets who are in that range of about plus 475. I'm not knocking anybody if they want to take it now. But knowing what the value had been and knowing I'm kind of getting late to the party, because I have confidence that it's going to be narrowed down to these three teams, I'm looking to seek value in that exact market. I don't think anybody's overcoming Boston. I truly believe that. So I have enough conviction that they will be the team representing the Eastern Conference. And then again, I narrowed it down out of the West for a plethora of reasons, but keeping it shorter here with the Clippers and the Nuggets. So instead of betting them all three for their championship prices, since I already think Boston's going to represent the East, take the exacta of Boston over Denver. You can get that at 13-1 to at some books. And then also Boston over 
over the Clippers at 14 to 1. Now, you may be asking yourself, well, why don't you also bet it the other way? Well, because Boston presumably is going to have the home court advantage in this series. They're power rated as the better team. They are the shorter shot to win in terms of the odds. So Boston presumably is going to be the favorite in that series. So if it's either Boston against Denver, Boston against the Los Angeles Clippers, I'll be sitting on either a 13 or 14 to 1 ticket. And then I can hedge or look to make a profit on their opponent, which again, will either be Denver or it's going to be Los Angeles. And they will be the plus money underdog in that series because they won't have home court advantage. And based on the power ratings now, they're just the underdog in general. So I'm setting myself up further down the line, hoping it's going to be one of those two matchups. And then I can be sitting on a higher price ticket with the ability to still make a profit, given that I could get plus money on their opponent. So I've narrowed it down to those three teams. And I think that's a way more valuable way to attack it than chase these shorter prices that we see present now. Not just saying this, those would be the three teams I would want to look at. And I'm with you on the Boston side. I, I like really it. do think that they come out of the East. So tell everybody where they can find your podcast so we can get the full breakdown. Yeah, the podcast is called Burke's Beat. I tweeted out on my Twitter at Danny Burke 5. But uh, yeah, Apple and Spotify, you can get it listed there. Was joined by Nick Whalen. He's a great NBA analyst. I know you guys are familiar with him as well. But him and I really just scavenged through the entire futures board. And uh, that was the main topic of conversation. So it was a lot of fun doing that, as it always is on here with you guys. Now, I've got to ask you one football question before we get you out of here. Justin Fields unfollowed the Bears. What does that mean? Do you do you take anything from that? Well, look, I mean, he said, you know, there's not much to take from it himself. And, you know, it's all hearsay. Look, it doesn't really matter what Justin Fields does at this point. He's not coming back to Chicago. The Bears are getting rid of him. They're baiting him. They're taking presumably Caleb Williams. Could be Drake May, but realistically, it's going to be Caleb Williams. But regardless, all the insiders are saying it. And just from a fan perspective, it makes too much sense to not trade away fields and give yourself security if you're Ryan Poles, if you're head coach Matt Eberflus and a new staff with a new coordinator. You bring one of the highest touted guys in the draft in quite some time. Give yourself four more years of security with someone who's got a way higher ceiling. So I think Fields knows the writing on the wall. We all know the writing on the wall, whether it is because of that or not. To me, it's whatever at this point. He also said he picked LeBron over Michael Jordan in the debate on that same podcast. So I think that really solidified everything for Bears fans saying, all right, we're done with Justin Fields. Time to move on to Caleb Williams. Hey, I literally said the same thing on this very show yesterday, but I'm also not a Chicago Bear at the t at, at this particular moment. We never know what could happen yeah, in the future, enough. but for now, I'm not a Bear. Saying that, uh, yeah, that's a blasphemous in your in, in your neck of the woods with that flag behind that's you. That's right. Uh, but yeah, Danny, thank you so much for joining here on your normal Wednesday spot. He's Danny Burke. You can find him on social media at Danny Burke Five, host of the Burke's Beat podcast, Burke'sBeat.com. Danny, thanks so much for stopping by. Yeah, you bet, guys. Take care. Always appreciate it. And yeah, thank you. Danny. Always appreciate you too. Yeah, he's got some some great insight and. As a, a coaster, I've only really ever lived on the East Coast and the West Coast. I love ribbing Midwesterners when I can. So I love having guys like guys like <laughs> Dan. Right. Uh, no, he's, he's one of the best and always good. The main reason I like ribbing the Midwesterners is because they just have not had a lot of success as of late in the uh, professional ranks. Yeah, outside so you of, can do that. Outside of uh, those uh, Kansas City Chiefs. That's about it, Midwestern, uh, in terms of uh, recent championships. Denver does not count as the Midwest. Uh, we're about eight minutes away from having Curtis Terry joining us, former UNLV running rebel and current UNLV color commentator on the radio side. But I wanted to get into it. We've been talking for the last day, kind of hinting at this college basketball system that has produced every national champion except for one since the year 2002. Uh, and it is, it is a unique system. You know I'm a numbers guy. You know I love trends. And you know I love historical <laughs> numbers to back all those up. So I wanted to get this in and, and get your thoughts on this, Alex. So the, the numbers that I have found, is that since 2002, again, every team to win the national championship with one exception has had an adjusted offensive efficiency on Ken Palm of over 112 and an adjusted defensive efficiency of 94 or less. So again, 112 offensive efficiency, 94 or less in terms of the defensive efficiency. Right now, there are six teams in the country that match this system. You're going you're gonna to like one of them. So the six teams that match that system, two in the Big 12, Houston and Iowa State, the two in the SEC are Auburn and Tennessee. You've got Kansas, actually, so three Big 12 teams. And San Diego State. So, again, wow. San Diego State, Kansas, Houston, Iowa State, Auburn, and Tennessee. Those are the six teams that match. You've got one future on one of those teams. I've got Iowa State. 
So uh, hanging on to that one. Is there any teams that you're surprised that aren't in that? Um, honestly, surprised that a team like Purdue is not in there Me with the too. way that they play defensively. Now, what I did too was take took a look at Ken Palm. I extended one of the criteria because okay. there were a lot of teams that that fit the criteria. If you extended that defensive efficiency from 94 or less to 97 or less, which in the in the scale of Ken Palm, if you know anything about it, that's not that big of a difference. Right. But there are an additional one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams that fit if okay. you move that criteria three points just on the defensive side. That's how tight this these margins are. So the seven teams that match, if you extend it, again, from 94 or less on the defensive side to 97 or less, Purdue, UNC, and Duke, Creighton, and Marquette, Michigan State, and St. Mary's. Wow. So I, I would say between those seven and the other six, I would say between those 13, there's a very, very solid chance. I would say, you know, 80 to 90% that, that one of those 13 are the national champion this year. Was UConn in the original? UConn was just on the outside. No, UConn's well, not so in either UConn of those. UConn didn't fit either of those. No, let me see. UConn is just outside. Cause I remember writing it down uh, that they were just on the outside before. So UConn actually, thank you for calling me out on that. They're 96.2 in the defensive efficiency okay. and well above at 125. So UConn actually is in that second group. So there's now 14. Okay. So And it is pretty much a who's who of the top 10 right now. Oh, U yeah. UConn, uh, Purdue, Creighton, even with the loss, Marquette, even with the recent loss, all of a sudden, here comes St. Mary's as world beaters out of the WCC. And we talked about it yesterday. Gonzaga's in trouble. It looks like, unless they go on a run here and have just that name recognition come tournament selection time, that the WCC may be a one-bid league. I know. I agree. That game was a great game yesterday. San Francisco, oh my gosh, they played so well. But that was St. Mary's without Joshua Jefferson, mm -hmm. one of their best players, best shooters on the team. So... We'll see what happens. I don't think it's a serious injury. It sounded like he should be back. Um, I'm excited. Will you be going to that WCC tournament here? I will not, only because of the work that I do with the Mountain West and the Big West. Okay. So, it's so you'll be at those too. Un unfortunate because that is all of a sudden becoming a really, really hot button ticket in town. Yes, with, it is. I think now, what, six college tournaments here now? Is it five, uh -huh. or, is it five or six? You got Mountain West, okay. Big West, WCC, uh, WAC. And Pac-12. Pac-12 for one more year. I think it is just those five. Okay. Yeah, it is it. Yeah, So, but still five. One, name one other town that has three. Right, you can't exactly. Do it. Uh, yeah, Mountain, the, sorry, Las Vegas is college basketball tournament town. It's, yes. it's so fun to watch. But again, just to recap that system, since 2002, yes, every team but one that has won the national championship has had an adjusted of offensive efficiency of 112+. plus and an adjusted defensive efficiency of 94 or less on Ken Palm ratings. Those teams, Houston, Iowa State, Kansas, Auburn, Tennessee, and then San Diego State out of the Mountain West. And then just to recap again, if you adjusted that from 94 to 97 on the defensive side, that adds Purdue and UConn, UNC and Duke, Creighton and Marquette, St. Mary's, and Michigan State. And when we were talking about That's this a good list right before there. the show, uh, you had brought up the point, I totally agree, that Michigan State, if not some of those other teams, play so differently, home versus road versus neutral site, that that almost excludes them from this list. But here they are in mid to late February, still among that top 14 in terms of these criteria. You're right. So it will really come down to who can play well away from home as well, right? Because Creighton, we saw it last night, upset UConn, looked fantastic. Being at home, Michigan State, we've seen them as well. It's interesting, Auburn is on that list, right? And mm -hmm. Bama is still right there with them in that conference but people have been talking about auburn for a while especially our guy vinny yeah and they fit right into that system was there another system that some people have or is that the main one people use with ken palm that's the main one that people okay. use with ken palm there is one more that just involves the the ken palm overall rating okay adjusted efficiency um 95 of national champions since 2001 have had a top 21 ken palm rating on offense pre-tournament and 91 percent have had a top 31 defensive rating, or sorry, overall in, in, in Ken Palm. The teams that fit that, Creighton, UNC Duke, Purdue, Arizona, Houston, Tennessee, UConn. So a very similar uh, mix. I think Arizona, the only team that wasn't mentioned on either of those two prior criteria. Yeah, I think you're right. So very that, interesting. That, that adds the Wildcats. Always interesting to take a look at some of these uh, come the end of February before the tournament, because this is where you really do a lot of your handicapping. You can only really do so much. Uh, and then one last thing, Alex, before we take our, our final break. Out of the six teams, Houston, Iowa State, Kansas, Auburn, Tennessee, San Diego State, 
actually, we'll say out of the five, because you've already got your, your ticket on Iowa State. If you had to do one more ticket odds aside on any of the five Gosh. other teams in that list, who would you look at? Give Tell me them again. Kansas, Houston, Auburn, Tennessee, San Diego State. Houston. I agree. Defense travels. Right. So does rebounding, as we talked about with Florida earlier in their matchup against Auburn. Or, yeah, Alabama. Just an interesting look. Take with that information what you will. <laughs> we'll step aside for one final break. Be back in 120 seconds with our man, Curtis Terry. We're talking hoops. We're talking hair. Who knows what we're going to talk next? Don't go anywhere. Sports by the book. South Point offers all the types of entertainment you'd expect at a first-class Las Vegas resort. Did you know our 400-seat showroom is one of Las Vegas's top destinations for live entertainment? Enjoy live performances by classic Vegas entertainers, bands, and today's hottest comedians, plus a rock and dance floor. You can also enjoy live entertainment at the Grand View Lounge, where you'll feel all the vibes of old Las Vegas. Enjoy the music, and if you love to laugh, don't miss The Dirty at 12.30, our very own free comedy show, every Friday night at 12.30 a.m. in the Grand View Lounge. The Dirty is 100% free, so arrive early. Go to southpointcasino.com or call the box office at 77136 for today's performances at the showroom and the Grandview Lounge. When you're ready for your favorite cocktail, stop in and unwind at one of our seven specialty lounges. There's a bar around every corner, because you're in Vegas, baby. South Point Casino has plenty of attractions for the whole family. Catch a movie. Our 16-screen movie theater includes two XD extreme screens for the ultimate in viewing, sound, and luxury. After the show, treat the family to a variety of treats at our old-fashioned ice cream parlor, Kate's Corner. We scoop up a variety of creamy concoctions, including smoothies, hand-dipped cones, milkshakes, malts, sodas, and sundaes. At Kate's, there's something for everyone. And if you've still got time to spare, our bowling center might be right up your alley. Voted Best of Las Vegas, it's a great place for friends and family fun. 64 lanes, a pro shop, snack bar, and arcade. And while the kids are bowling, you can play slots and sip on a drink in the Alley Cat Lounge while overlooking the lanes. For our more serious and professional bowlers, the South Point is also home to a separate tournament bowling plaza. We are back here on Sports by the Book from South Point Studio. She's Alex White. I'm Matt Neverett. And now we bring in our guy, Curtis Terry, former UNLV running rebel and current UNLV color commentator on the radio side. And CT, before we get going with anything, I want to flash a graphic here, let you take a look, and let you answer to humanity. Crime against humanity that you have committed, CT, is getting rid of the flowing hair from your playing days. Take a look at that. That's the best hair in hoops circa 2007, huh? Yeah, that might even that might even last right now too. I mean, that's 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 some good hair right there. There's no product in that. That was all just shampoo, conditioner, just a little shake and an air dry. And so, yeah, that was those were the good old days. You were the original shake and bake, huh? We were uh, <laughs> we were talking uh, you and I a lot last time I saw you at the uh, the Kevin Kruger radio show here in Las Vegas about how you would have been able to benefit from NIL back in your playing days. You would have gotten that Troy Polamalu Head and Shoulders uh, sponsorship, correct? At least, or some Pantene Pro V, or something. I mean, there's got to be something. I mean, these days with all the hair products out there, hopefully we could we could have got something in the door. But uh, I think those days are kind of gone. The hair, I can still bring it back though. It's by choice now, not to have. It. I was going to ask. My last hair-related question <laughs> was: Was that a a college haircut, and you got rid of it right thereafter? Because I know you went and played professionally for a couple of years. Uh, was that yeah. right after college, or was that after your playing career was done as a whole? Uh, you know what? It was actually right. I cut it and like got rid of it when I before I got married. Um, the 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 wife at the time she good, good she was a little jealous. She was jealous because my hair was so nice, and, <laughs> and a lot of a lot of the ladies liked my hair. So I think I had to cut it like just out of out of responsibility and maturity. Um, but may, you never know. Maybe I'll have to bring it back someday and kind of see if I can have one last go around. The long hair and the long socks combo. I love it. Yes, very good. Tell us a little bit about your time at UNLV because you were on that team that went to the Sweet 16, played for Lon Kruger, still really good friends with his son, Kevin Kruger, head coach of UNLV. But talk about your playing days a little bit. 
Uh, man, I mean, like we just said, we have to go back in the memory bank for that one. Uh, but those are some really good times. Obviously, we, I played there for four years under Coach Long Kruger. Um, had a great experience and, and learned a lot of good things from him. Um, but then had the chance to, to play in two NCAA tournaments. We won two Mount West Conference tournaments as well. And uh, and we kind of were able to, to reinvigorate, re-energize the basketball program at UNLV and, and kind of set it up for what it was after that with Coach Kruger going to, I think, four, uh, four total NCAA tournaments at that time while he was at UNLV. And then Coach Dave Rice came in. Um, and there's kind of been some downtime since then, but now that, that my good friend, Coach Kevin Kruger, is in charge, um, hopefully he can get these guys back on track. But uh, uh, Vegas, as, as you guys know, holds a special place in our hearts, especially UNLV and the campus and, and the good times that we had uh, wearing the Rebel colors. Yeah, there were some pictures that we could have put of you and Kevin on there, but out of respect to both of you guys, we uh, left those off of the show today. Um, with your unique history with both UNLV and the Mountain West, of course, former player, now current broadcaster, the Mountain West right now, CT, as good as it has ever been on the hardwood, you, would you say? Oh, 100%. Not even close. And, you know, just top to bottom, night in, night out, you never know who is going to win. Case in point, as we'll get into here in a couple of minutes, when Air Force came to UNLV last, uh, last month, Air Force had one conference win. It was not a really convincing one. UNLV was coming into that game as hot as they had been at that point all year. And then the Falcons blow them out by 30 in Las Vegas. That is just a small scenario of what the Mountain West has been all year. You've got teams like Utah State, San Diego State, Colorado State, New Mexico, kind of at the top with Nevada and UNLV kind of right underneath them. Right now in the Mountain West, because of the way that they just cannibalize themselves, it's hard to say, and you can get a different answer from everybody that you ask. In your mind, CT, who is the number one best top team in the Mountain West Conference right now? Oh, that's a hard one to say. Um, but but yes, this is a conversation that we all have all the time, especially with the Mountain West. And I would agree it's it's probably the strongest gear that the conference has had from top to bottom since its inception. I mean, over 25 years ago. So I think it's that's a good thing for the conference. It's a good thing for the school, for the universities. Um, after before last night's game, I would have said San Diego State was the best team uh, just because of what they've done historically uh, going to the national championship game last year. And I think that that holds a lot of weight and a lot of credit. You, you've got to beat the champs if you want to be the champs. And so still until they lose in the conference tournament, they would be my favorite. But I think any given night, anybody can beat anybody in the Mountain West has shown that. And unfortunately, um, that's typically what happens in the Mountain West. They, they tend to pick each other off. And by the time you get to the end of conference play and in the Mountain West Conference Tournament, there's a lot of teams that could have been in that mix but fall off just because of, of, of cannibalism, so to say. And uh, CT, from one conference to another, you're from the Pacific Northwest. You still have a lot of ties, and you're up in Seattle all the time. I know you're big into the Pac-12, and right now it is a dogfight atop the Pac-12. You've got Arizona at 11-3, and Washington State, the Cougars, a half game back at 11-4 and in the conference. With the Pac-12 right now, it is different than it has been. Obviously, the last year of this conference as it has been historically, but a team like Washington State all of a sudden coming from where the bottom where they've been the last couple of years and now competing with Arizona literally night in, night out for who can come in first in this conference. What is it about this Washington State team that you've seen that leads you to think that they can defeat Arizona in the regular season standings? You know what? I think it's just the way they built their program. I mean, in terms of bringing in their coach, and it's just kind of you better reestablish and rebuild your culture. I mean, Washington State, to be honest, they haven't been good since Tony Bennett left and went to Virginia. Um, just calling a spade a spade. And when he was at WSU on the Palouse, uh, they did a lot of great things. They went to a lot of tournaments. Uh, but then it's kind of obviously fallen back. And, and WSU is known to be a football school. And so obviously those schools that have those football focuses, um, they kind of take a back seat when it comes to other sports, especially basketball. Uh, but for now, for WSU to be in the mix and, and at, at the top of the mountain or at the top of the Pac-12, um, that, that obviously speaks a lot for them. Uh, but again, I, I think Arizona is that best team, uh, just what they do on the court, top to bottom. Um, in in in, in terms of just the style of play and, and the international flair that they have and being able to knock down shots, play inside out and play fast and get up and down the court. Um, at the end of the day, Arizona is always going to be a tough out. And I think they're just showing um, that they're, they're truly one of the best teams, not just on the West Coast, but in the country. Bringing it back to UNLV, you are in Colorado Springs for a game. Um, as Matt mentioned, Air Force came here to Las Vegas, beat the Rebels by quite a lot. UNLV went on a streak after that one, five in a row, coming off a tough loss to the rival Nevada. How do you think this game goes tonight? You think the Rebels are ready for this revenge spot? Uh, they, they've got to be ready, Alex. I mean, uh, for, for the Rebels to, to suffer the loss that they did at the hands of the Air Force Academy uh, back in, in late January by 
30 some odd points and giving up 90 points uh, to Air Force. That just that's two things that typically don't happen is Air Force doesn't rarely score 90 points, let alone do they beat somebody by 30 plus points. Um, and so for those things, it kind of had to be a perfect storm. And in the way they play in terms of the Princeton style offense, um, just their focus and their determination and their willingness to stretch out possessions on both ends of the floor. Um, you've got to be focused and it's more of a mental game against the cadets here at the Air Force Academy as opposed to athletic physical game. And so I think the Rebels have to be in a position where they're really focused and locked in on the game plan because this game is even more important after not just losing to Air Force a few weeks ago, but then that tough loss that they had on Saturday against Nevada. Um, you're really jockeying for, for position right now in the Mountain West because as it stands, you've got seven teams within two games of first place and you've got six about six games left to go uh, for everybody in the conference. So this game is, is at utmost importance for the Rebels. Uh, but Clune Arena is a tough place to play on the road um, in, in front of the cadets and, and everybody that, that comes out and supports the Air Force Academy. So it's going to be a tough game, but the Rebels are in a spot where they, they need to get it done. And CT, wanted to go back to something you had said about this Air Force team. For our viewers who may not be aware, what is so unique about the Princeton-style offense? And maybe from a personnel standpoint, if that's the most important thing in your eyes, what can UNLV and who on UNLV can stop? What makes the Princeton so successful? Well, the Princeton style offense, obviously, I mean, it's in terms of it's about playing in space and playing in motion. Um, not typical in terms of with playing off the dribble or off the bounce. Um, it's more so read and react. And so if, if typically if somebody dribbles at you, um, they're going to backdoor cut. So you can't get too high. You can't get too pressure or, or aggressive to deny. Um, from there, they like to spin. And if they don't catch, they spin and post up. Then they like to throw it in the post. And their guards like to play out of the post which is typical because most guards aren't comfortable defending players in the post, um, but they also like to reject ball screens. And so that's one thing to where you, you can't get lazy. You've got to force them into the ball screens. You can't let them reject because if they do, then that opens up the, the weak side for the backdoor cut. Uh, but they're also very methodical. They like to take their time. They're not in a rush. They want to have a, a game where it's long possessions. Uh, lower scoring obviously favors them just because of personnel. Um, but from my time playing, and again, this goes way back, aging myself here, but it was always more of a mental game when you play the Air Force Academy. I mean, you can't go out there think you're the more more bigger, the bigger, physical, more athletic team because that's what they use against you. You've got to be disciplined to knowing the scouting report to the players and what you have to do to achieve to be successful. Um, and I think that's what got away from UNLV a little bit because if you get down against Air Force, you feel like you're pressured to come back in one fell swoop. There's no five-point plays. Unless you're the Utah State Aggies and <laughs> somehow they're the best one play. Um, I knew that was coming. You can't, get all, you can't get it all back at one fell swoop. And so you've got to be very disciplined. Um, and I think that's where you have to use your mind. It's a mental game. And I always pointed out that these kids at, at the Air Force Academy, they are cadets. And so the way that their lives are, are regimented, it's very strict and it's very by the book and scheduled out. And so they have no problem following the script and, and to sticking to what needs to be done. And I think that's where they get an advantage over a lot of people, especially on the road, because if the football team comes out, they fill that student section and the cadets are in the building, that place is loud, they're on top of you, and it's a hard place to play. As a player, I never won there. And so I think that says a lot about how good they are at home. Wow. You, you never lost at the pit, never won at Air Force. That tells you wow. just how, how unique that, that environment is. And that UNLV, they won twice against New Mexico this year too, right? Yeah, Kevin Kruger's never lost at the pit as a head coach. For whatever reason, UNLV is the only team with more, I think the criteria right CT was more than three games at the pit. UNLV is the yep. only team ever with a winning record there. That's crazy. With a winning record. And they're 16 and 15, cool. and that's the best by far, yeah. And then, you, as you mentioned, UNLV falling in the final seconds on a five-point play to Utah State for the, the unini uninitiated who don't necessarily remember that one. And I want to ask you this. I hope it's not like picking a favorite child or anything, but I'm just so impressed. D-Don, as a freshman, what he's done at point guard. I like watching the Boone brothers together. I think they're great. And then Rob Whaley comes out of yeah. nowhere right now. He's in the starting lineup. Which player do you really enjoy watching and like has something different in their game that you've really attached onto this year? You know, Alex, that's a good question. I really enjoy watching all of them for different reasons. Um, I think the exciting one to watch, obviously, is Rob Whaley. I think when he gets a chance to get in transition or he gets to get a chance to, like I like to say, he likes to put somebody in the basket. Mm -hmm. um, he likes to catch a body. He's going to do that. And it's a highlight, typically. Uh, the way DJ plays, it's not going to grab your attention. It's not super flashy. It's just super efficient, and it's so mature from his standpoint as a player. Um, I like Jackie Johnson coming off the bench. We've talked about this before, Matt. I mean, Jackie just knows his role. He's an instant offensive guy. He likes to come in. But I, I think the way this team is constructed and the way the season hasn't gone as planned so far with a couple close losses and unfortunate ones and injuries, but this team is special. They're built the way they can play inside out. They're very tough. They're very defensive-minded. 
And so, like we saw, they go on a five-game stretch and they win five in a row. If they get hot at the right time, like they look like they're doing, they can make a lot of noise and really shake the conference upside down because of those six teams or the seven teams that might have a chance to get in, UNLV is number seven. And so I think they can go in a tournament and really break somebody's break somebody's plans or just give them a nightmare and, and keep them out of the NCAA tournament. We still got a long way to go. Uh, but nonetheless, um, the leader of this pack is definitely Deion Thomas Jr. and what he's doing on the court of the point guard position. Yeah, UNLV, not, not a fun team to play for a lot of these teams in the conference, especially with the Mountain West tournament on their home court here at the Thomas and Mack Center. CT, wanted to ask you about one other matchup uh, going on around the Mountain West tonight. And it, it is one of, if not my top, Favorite games of the day that I'm going to be keeping an eye on. Number 22, Colorado State at the pit in Albuquerque, taking on New Mexico. And New Mexico uh, has lost their last two games at home, including to UNLV, a game that you and I were at uh, two weeks ago. This is an interesting matchup, and a lot of the money coming in on this game itself is towards New Mexico. And uh, the, this New Mexico team plays very different home and road. This is a very unique matchup against a Colorado State team led by Isaiah Stevens. What are your thoughts on this game as a whole? This is going to be a good game. I mean, I think it's, in terms of how this game is played, it's obviously going to be driven by the guards. Um, Isaiah Stevens, like you mentioned, Jalen House, Jamal Mashburn Jr., Donovan Dent. Uh, this is going to be a game focused in the backcourt and, and who can lead their team and get it done. Um, uh, and like you said, New Mexico's lost their last two games at home. Obviously, they lost to, to UNLV. Um, and, and then uh, Boise goes in there. And, and, and Max Rice has a huge game offensively. Uh, but I think it's a position where this is going to be a big game. I think this is not just helps UNLV, but everybody on the conference. The rest of the way, there's always two of the top six or seven teams are playing each other every night out. And so for them to be able to figure out who's going to win, and if, if, if you lose or you win, you're going to be able to move up or move down a game, a game or a half a game. Um, but it's hard to say right now that New Mexico is going to lose another one at home. Um, they've just been so stingy at home. They play so well at home. And as you see, Matt, I mean, you've been in the building before. And it, it, when they get going in the pit, it gets noisy. It gets loud. Their students are there. It's 15,000 plus. Um, they're maniacal down there. And so I, I like New Mexico going in there to get the win. I mean, that's a number. That's a, that's a lot of points. Uh, but nonetheless, I think it's, it's a game where New Mexico is going to be able to get the win. And I think they probably need to win more so than Colorado State does right now. Can't forget about Snake, the super fan down there in Albuquerque as well, huh? He wasn't too happy after the last game when the Rebels beat him. Uh, but he was he was gracious enough to give Coach Kevin Kruger some love and a hug. Um, and he's, he's one of the fixtures definitely at the pit in New Mexico. That's funny. One more college basketball question for you because we had our first projection of the top 16 seeds. We've got our four number ones, of course, Houston, Purdue, Connecticut, Arizona. Who, in your eyes, is the top team in the country? Is it one of those four or maybe somebody else? It's not Connecticut after last night. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. That. In the way, the way the good thing, like on Instagram, right, girl math. Um, if UNLV beat Creighton and Creighton <laughs> yes. just blew out UConn, I think UNLV's got to be a favorite to get a number one seat. I like it. Um, but um, I, me personally, I like I like Arizona. Um, I also like Houston. So I think I think before you guys came back from the break before you did that, Alex. You said Houston would have been kind of your other team. I like that as well. Houston's very well rounded. Uh, Coach Sampson does a great job. They're defensive minded. And, and they've got enough experience and have been there long enough to where I think they're about due to get over that hump and try to get that national championship. Um, but the but the loyalist in me to Arizona, because of my brother and my sister both going there, I'm going to have to stick with the Wildcats. Unless, of course, they play the Rebels, then all bets are off. Of course. And that's actually a perfect transition for our final question, Curtis. Uh, talking about your brother, Jason Terry, and now on the Utah Jazz coaching staff, the Jazz after the final night of the All-Star break tonight, resume play tomorrow, welcoming in the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, the Jazz, almost double-digit favorites in this game. They've been kind of a topsy-turvy team, really top to bottom all year. Your guy Jordan Clarkson having an interesting year from the statistics perspective. But what are your thoughts on this Utah Jazz team to this point? And are, are they a team that are poised to make a run in the West? If not, we don't have to tell Jason about it. Yeah, no, uh, he'll probably find out one way or another. But um, they're they're a unique team, and I think the, I mean obviously from from the start, their organization is, is built and ran very well. They know what they're doing. Obviously, Danny Ainge is in charge there, um, and, and the young coach Will Hardy, what he's doing on staff there, um, and, and getting the kind of right mix of guys, and again building that culture in terms of what you need to do to be successful. And they've got a lot of young guys. Um, 
But it's it's they're in a tough spot because I think they've got some guys that can win, but I think they're also a couple of pieces away. And I think the last two years they've kind of been right there in the mix and made some deals at the deadline to where they get rid of some guys. Um, and it's, it's hard to maintain that, especially when you're talking about the teams that you're chasing um, aren't your typical uh, teams that are towards the bottom the bottom of the playoff standings. But you're talking about you're trying to chase down um, LeBron and the Lakers and Steph Curry and the Warriors. I mean, these are guys that you're trying to battle for that playing spot. Uh, but I think I think the, the Jazz have a good chance. I just don't know if they're they're going to be disciplined enough and have enough experience to really finish this thing out, which for them is going to be unfortunate because I think they'll end up in a spot to where they won't get a lottery pick, but you're also not going to make the playoffs. So being in that limbo in that middle ground, I think that's the worst place you can be in the NBA uh, because you're not really taking the strides to, to be good and be in the playoffs, but you're also not bad enough to get the picks. So you're kind of in no man's land, and that's where you, you're kind of in a struggle, especially if you're not in a spot in a market to be able to grab and, and get those big free agents. So they've got a hell of a job to fix there, but obviously I'm going to support them. I uh, was down there, spent a couple of days with my brother, saw three games, and so uh, I'm definitely going to be rooting for the Jazz, and hopefully they can get it done. Yeah, we'll be keeping an eye on the Jazz in the second half and hopefully hopefully into the playoffs, because if you're not in that lottery, you, you kind of need to at least have that shot into the playoffs, yeah. Well, CT, thanks so much for joining us. Curtis Terry, former UNLV run and rebel and current UNLV color commentator on the radio in Colorado Springs tonight as UNLV takes on Air Force looking for revenge in the Clune Arena. CT, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, guys. We'll see you soon. Appreciate it, Thank CT. You. One of the best. That was great. A great show overall. A lot of basketball today. A lot of basketball. Just fine by us. Yes. Both in college and the NBA. Keep an eye on these games that are just about to get going here at 4 o'clock on the West Coast, 7 o'clock out there on the East. And that'll do it for us today, not only here on Sports by the Book, but for the South Point Studios. For everybody on the other side of the glass, Jerry, Caden, Ann, and the Drew Dog, for my partner Alex White, I'm Matt Neverett saying thanks so much for tuning in. Jeff Parles back in this seat tomorrow for Sports by the Book. Until then, so long.